Welcome to the Impact Sessions, a business podcast hosted by me, Nick Bramley, CEO and Director of Impact at Impactus Group. The Impact Sessions brings you weekly insights and experiences from some of my most valued, trusted and influential business contacts across a range of current, interesting and hopefully thought-provoking subjects designed to give you some practical tips and ideas to drive continued success in your business. On this week's podcast, I'm interviewing Rachel Clark from Wrapped PR. We're here to educate the audience on why PR works and how to make it work for your business. It's an often misunderstood part of the marketing and communications mix, and Rachel's here to demystify the whole PR piece. Hope you enjoy the podcast. On this week's episode of the Impact Sessions, I'm delighted to have with me Rachel Clark. Rachel is the owner and director of Wrapped PR, and she's here to educate our audience on all things to do with PR. We've entitled the podcast, Why PR Works and How to Make It Work for Your Business. So without further ado, welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much, Nick. It's great to be here. Great to have you. Uh, we met at a, an event recently, and uh, I, I really quite liked your direct approach to PR and, and you're very clear and I just thought you know what something our audience might be interested in it's one of those misunderstood areas of business potentially so I'm going to go run through a series of questions we'll kind of explore a little bit about what that looks like and hopefully a you'll enjoy it and b the audience will enjoy some of the things that we share with them if that's okay that's fantastic yeah I'm hoping that we can uh, unclear some myths that uh, surround the PR industry I think there are a few, but there's a few with every sector, isn't there really, to be fair, Rachel? So, you know, it's not a, a, it, it's not unusual in business. People understand what they understand and then they don't know what they don't know. Do they? So, That's okay. so, true. so true. So first question I always ask a guest is how the hell did you get into all this sort of PR strategy and delivery? Um, how long's has PR been going and what are your ambitions for the business? Well, that's a great question, Nick. Let's think about that. So I've been doing PR for my whole career, mm-hmm. so that's 20 years now. And the way I got into it was an actu- a friend, an old friend, actually thought that I would be quite good at it. I mm-hmm. had no idea what it was, no idea how to get into it either, um, and no relevant experience. So that was a really good start. <laughs> often, often the best place to start, really, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. So, however, I did need a job at the time, so I just graduated. Um, I did French and business at university. And um, I remember getting hold of a contacts book. This was pre-Google. Mm-hmm. And it was something that The Guardian used to publish. It was all about media contacts and uh, PR contacts. And the way I did it was I found the top 100 PR agencies and I contacted every single one of them by phone because that was pretty much pre-email, I think, as well. Or email was a, quite a new thing. Can I just, some of our listeners, just to let you know, there was a world before Google and before <laughs> email and it was it was okay, wasn't it? <laughs> it was exciting, yeah. It was all about face-to-face and the <laughs> phone and it was kind of a, a little bit less stressful sometimes. But um, but yeah, it was there was the world before Google, so imagine that. Mm. Um, so I vividly remember still now sitting on um, the doorstep at my friend's house and calling all of these different agencies and telling them a little bit about me and why I wanted to get into PR, even though I wasn't quite sure what that was. (laughs) And from obviously each phone call, you being in sales, you'll know this, you get more and more information about an industry or about a sector and what different people's problems are and what people are looking for in in a new recruit. And I managed to get four interviews out of those 100 um, agencies. And then out of the four interviews, I got two job offers. So I managed to get into a really nice small consultancy um, based in Victoria, 
which actually looking back was a really great um, footing for starting out in PR because it did uh, business to business and business to consumer clients. With a small business as well, you're probably getting more involved across a breadth of stuff because there's no, it's not big enough to niche, is it? For example, so true, so mm. true. And the way we did it was, you know, you took on everything from reception to looking after clients to mm. um, taking journalists out and writing press releases and that sort of thing. Okay. Um, so from there, I, I worked my way up and got promoted, and then joined a bigger agency which worked on big brands like um, Marks and Spencer and McDonald's. And Microsoft, which is that small company that we've all heard yeah, of. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're quite a nice, they're a nice size client to have, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, then I got actually headhunted in-house to a role within Red Bull, um, which is you know, a brand that a few of us have now heard of. Was that at the outset of Red Bull? Was that in the early days? Because it's, it's quite a strong... It's an interesting one because Red Bull's actually, it might be about... It could be about 25 years old now. So when I joined, I think it was, it had been going for about 12 years. Mm. Um, so I joined there as brand and communications manager for about three years there and managed in-house sort of agencies as well um, and PR and communications for, for the new product division within Red Bull. Okay, so there's a hell of a grounding there then, isn't there? To, there was a lot, uh, so, <laughs> there was a so, lot going on. So Rap PR, that's a fairly new venture for you, isn't it, from what it I understand? It is, yeah. So um, moved up north back to closer to family and got married mm -hmm. um, about 12 years ago. And um, yeah, set up wrapped about three years ago after after working as PR director for Savills, the um, estate agency firm and oh, real, yeah. real estate services firm. Okay. Yeah. Going well? Absolutely. Yeah. So we joined, um, joined forces with a couple of colleagues who were also doing PR. So I'll often, the way we work wrap PR is that um, we'll put the best team on for the right project. Mm -hmm. So whether it's a real estate firm or food and drink uh, retail, we'll kind of collate the best team of freelancers mm. and go from there. So you provide like a managed service then as, as well as the uh, hand-holding direct service then? Very much so, yeah. Okay, yeah. interesting. Not, not, it's not an unusual business model, that, is it really? For It gives you the best of both worlds, isn't it? The, the skill set without the overhead. and It really you know. does. And, and I think having been a client as well within those you know, multinational companies, you mm. often see as a client that you often get... Um, Sometimes you get passed over to more junior members of staff, which is fine. Um, but we really wanted to offer something that was much more director-led and much more strategic. Mm. And that way we can offer a lot more value for clients in terms of where they're spending the budget. Excellent. Okay. Well, let, let's explore PR. Because you mentioned earlier, I wanted to get into it, but I didn't know what it was. And I think I've been in business 20-odd years plus, And um, it seems to me to be one of the most misunderstood sort of services that a business might engage in um am i just working with the wrong people or is that right do people still not get what pr is all about i think that's a really interesting question so generally when a client comes to us they've got some sort of understanding of what pr is um some people think you know pr is hr i mean <laughs> there's a lot of misunderstanding out there really yeah really not a client obviously because <laughs> they've probably got a certain level of education around marketing but um We've had everything, and, and also some people within businesses, if they're not directly responsible for PR, then they'll, they'll think, oh, it just means press release. Well, mm. it actually, PR stands for public relations. So it's all about growing reputation, growing your brand, and protecting and managing that reputation when you've got it. Mm. So it's really about um, targeting your audiences, depending on where they are, and, uh, and going from there. I think the key to that, though, is people 
don't understand or don't think about the consequences of managing reputation when things hit the fan as well, do they? So it's more, so they would, a press release doesn't do that, does it? It's about <laughs> no. reputation and brand management and all those kind of things. It's so, so true. And I think things have changed mm. so massively in the last 10 years just with digital as well. Mm. So it's very much social media can become part of that function as well. Mm. Um, and also customer service. So like you say, if things go start hitting the fan on social media, then the PR team needs to be integral to that whole conversation that's happening. thing is, it's instant these days as well, isn't it? You know, in... Before the advent of, of certainly social media channels, you would probably have a 24-hour window before something was going to hit the news cycle. And the, you could probably put a, something in place as a, as, a, as a response to that. These days, it's instant. And, and, and certainly people like you know Twitter and, and, and Facebook and, and LinkedIn, to a certain extent, reputation can be absolutely torn to shreds within seconds with just a, a poorly crafted piece of content or something that as a PR... A professional like yourself would would just grind the teeth and think why why has that gone out why would you do that that kind of thing yeah sometimes I always say you know you can't make it up what can go wrong so (laughs) it's all right doing a plan and a crisis management plan but sometimes you just cannot make up what life is going to throw at you Mm. so definitely the news cycle is you know it's 24 7 now um what used to take like you say a newspaper 24 hours to potentially print or even broadcast you know to run the story would be a few hours Mm. it's now you know within an hour's window so if your customer service team isn't briefed and you know what could be potentially a um a crisis Mm. um and if you're not responding to that crisis really quickly then you can get into some serious trouble Mm. in terms of you know your business growth that makes it interesting for you though doesn't it oh it's always interesting nick i don't think there's ever been a dull moment (laughs) (laughs) excellent okay um let's talk about giving some advice and maybe some insights to our sort of audience and listeners. What do you reckon the common challenges or conversations are that you face when you mention PR to a business owner? Um, You know, what are they coming back at you with as either misunderstandings or, you know, those kind of areas? What are the common ones that you come across? I think um, when I'm talking to a business owner, it's often, you know, it's either on spec or the the owner has actually realised that they need some sort of promotion of their brand and they're looking at different different revenue streams and ways to do that Um, and PR sometimes comes up in in the conversation so very much I would see my role as an educator you know there's so many ways to spend a budget now Mm. and PR Mm. might not necessarily be right for that particular business owner it might be that they're trying to target consumers and they've got a really um, niche target audience and it might be that Facebook ads are the better use of their budget Um, and so I have that's something that I really enjoy as part of my job is really being strategic advisor to a client and yep. really helping them through the jungle that is marketing and PR now. And the budget. And the budget, mm. exactly, or the investment, as we like to call it. Yes. Okay. So what kind of things do they come up with as challenges as to why they they might be put off the idea of PR then? Because as I say, it is a misunderstood kind of concept, really. Uh, if you're meeting somebody, not someone who's approached you because they've obviously got an idea of what they think they want, but when you meet somebody at a networking event <clears throat> and you say, you know, it's wrapped PR, do you get some eye rolling or do you get, you know, any response from people who just don't get it and what, what, they're, what they're pushing back at you? Um, I think, I don't think the eye roll, I don't think I've ever had that, but um, often clients are just so confused about what avenue they should take with, you know, with how to promote their business. You mm. know, they've got so many 
shiny ob- object syndrome, if you like, um, so many options. And I think it's just about negotiating those different options for the client. And I would see that as a consultant's um, job, really, is to, to help them negotiate that. So, so yeah, it's pretty... Once you start explaining that it's all about third-party endorsement and getting someone else to say how great you are as opposed to you saying it yourself, mm. it's much more powerful. Um, and that's really where you can make game changes for your business. So you can increase sales, get more leads... Um, and promote your business that way instead of it all being about what you say you are. Yeah, I mean, everyone can claim to be an expert or specialist or whatever it might be, but there's no better advocacy than someone else saying, I've used your services, I've experienced your product, and it actually does more than what it says on the tin, and it's absolutely brilliant sort of uh, solution. So that's all part of the mix then, is it, is in terms of building an advocacy kind of platform? Very much so. It's all about advocacy. Um, sometimes I'll liken it to if you were a market trader and you had something to sell, I don't know, let's say jam because I do some food and drink clients. Yeah. Um, and what on week one on your Saturday market stall, you put um, a poster in front of your stall and you say, you know, we're selling the best jams ever, come and buy them. And you'll get so many customers and that's great. You might get some passers by because they'll notice your sign. But the next week you've managed to win an award and you've been talked about in the local paper and um, I don't know, a food editor might have said that you're their favourite brand of jam. Mm. All of a sudden you've got a queue around the corner because other people are talking about you. Right. And that's the power of PR okay. versus advertising. Yes. I mean, it, 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 it's a different part of the mix, isn't it, really? So so what, without putting you on the spot, what are the strands from PR? Because it's public relations, so it's advocacy, it's about, you've mentioned it's about kind of building that sort of platform, press releases, etc. What other things go into the PR mix? Because it's quite broad, isn't it? It's really broad. And I think I think because it's changed so much with, you know, the advent of digital communications as well, you know, if, if a PR person is coming in and they don't understand the rest of the marketing mix, like SEO and content and video, the power of that, um, I think they're kind of probably underselling themselves. Mm. Um, so there's so many things that go into it, although... You know, writing is always a key skill probably that that you need and then obviously managing your clients' expectations. Um, but yeah, it really does go across the whole marketing mix and also across the whole business if it's integrated. So coming into PR <clears throat> as a career, do you recommend that people have a, a strong journalistic type background or is it more of a general business background? What would, they, what would be the ideal study maybe at degree level, for example, for someone who would hit the ground running in a PR kind of role? Yeah, there are a lot of PR degrees actually now. Okay. Um, so communications, even I think now, I mean, it's that whole thing that you go back to about education not being quite geared up to the workplace anymore Yeah. because it's changing so quickly. So anything, if you've got, you know, knowledge of digital, um, knowledge of content writing, SEO, if you've got a blog, that would be a great start. Because you're already going to have half the skills that you're going to need going forward. Unless that blog's there and nobody's looking at it. Absolutely. Nobody, yeah, that's right. So <laughs> so the PR consultant's role is to convert the content into, I guess, activity, action, readership, downloads, engagement type thing. Absolutely, yeah. And it's all about what the client's objectives are in the first place. So we don't do a campaign or you, you shouldn't be doing anything really until you realise what the, the business is strategic objectives are and, and that's where PR can really fit into that um, and help them to grow 
Okay. Um, there's a lot of businesses use external providers. So I go into an organization and, and maybe act as a sort of sales director. People have outsourced marketing, outsourced sort of um, um, PR, etc. Um, what's the process then, Rich? If I'm, let's say I'm a business owner and I'm aware of PR, I'm aware it's probably a gap in our armory. I've heard reasonable things about what it can do, but I don't really understand it too much. Do you just want to talk me through the steps it would take before I've reached out to you? What happens before we get to the stage where you are engaged and then what's the steps that, you know, what would a PR plan look like? Absolutely. Well, that depends. Um, so we would come in and, and I would always recommend a business owner or a client, you know, has a good chat with someone on the phone or definitely chemistry meeting beforehand just to, to check we're on the same page. Because yeah. obviously that's essential. Um, and as a as a PR consultant or consultancy, you would get sometimes the client would have a brief, so they would have already have thought of all those things that you're going to ask them, which is how much investment have you got? What what are you trying to achieve? Mm. What are your business aims? Um, are there any certain priorities within the business? So whether you're trying to promote a certain part of the business more than others, um, because that really helps refine the budgets. And I guess why you know why is that area of the business top of your priority list versus something else at this stage. Absolutely, so, yeah. absolutely. And then we would go away as a consultancy and look at, you know, your target audiences and where they're hanging out. So whether that's on social media, which social media channels that might be, um, what they're reading, what they're listening to, whether it's podcasts or, I don't know, the business news, mm. um, whether there might be some trade industry magazines or events that are going on. We would really research that target audience market so that we know that, when we go back with a plan of um, of campaigns and ideas, that that will be really focused on what the business wants to achieve and who they want to reach. So the real value add at the outset is the research into where do your potential audience live? Because none of us know that, do we? I mean, we, we might think, you know, we're targeting this audience or that audience, but proper research will say, well, this is the magazine that's the default in the industry. This is the portal that people are signing up to. This is the news feed that's right for you. And this is where you need to be aligning your brand with and that kind of stuff. It's quite, it's quite detailed. It's quite scientific though, isn't it? It is really scientific. Yeah. I think um, that, that initial part of the strategic planning with, with a PR campaign, there's so much value in it. So you can spend a lot of time as an agency doing all that work. Sometimes you don't get picked and that's mm. kind of gutting, but um, it's just one of those things within the industry. So sometimes I've heard of um, of consultancies charging for that pitch work because it, it is a time, um, you know, it's a time investment for the team. So, What's your view on that then? You don't charge for your pitch work then? Or? Well, it depends how long it's going to take. So if it's going to take mm. a week out of our time, we will definitely say, you know, have you got a budget for the pitch work itself? Yes. Um, and then it's just about qualifying what the client actually wants and how many people they're, you know, asking to to come and pitch. So mm. sometimes it, you know, it can get ridiculous. And then you think, well, actually, how serious are they about stealing our ideas or actually mm. implementing the work that we're going to strategically um, show for them for the for the value that we're adding? That's a fair point, though, isn't it? You know, if they're seeing three, four, five agencies, they're going to pick up ideas from three, four, or five agencies, and they may well go to one and say, "Well, these weren't your ideas. We just liked you a lot. Could you implement these other ideas that we've picked up from other people?" I mean, that that's a, a sad state of affairs, but it's not unusual in that or video or other content areas, I guess. Isn't it? It's just it's just sometimes about being 
cleverer about the people you engage with and how you engage them to a certain extent. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just about, I mean, having been the client, not that I've ever done that, but, um, you know, you do want, it's a bit like the interview process. It is an information gathering process and you, you know, as the client, what's right for your brand and what's right for your objective. So mm. um, it's important to have that different, those different agencies coming in and, and talking to you. But I always think, I always go back to, if you're going to get on with those people and you get on with them from the outset, then you're going to work really well together and you can get over anything. I did like the phrase chemistry meeting because you will have worked in your time, whether it's by choice or default, with clients that you liked and got on with naturally more than others. And it's just a fact of life. But I think people work better with clients where it's more natural than, than they do because it's just instinctive, isn't it? It is, yeah, absolutely. It's like human nature, isn't it? But um, I think one of those, the one of the most important stages at the outset is is managing expectations with a client so i think where when where things can go wrong with an agency is where the agencies come in and oversold what they can do made loads of guarantees that they're going to get it because you can't make any guarantees with media no and unless you own it and um and yeah that's where the the frustrations come in for clients so mm. so it's very much about managing up um not objections but managing expectations okay you touched on a few things there in terms of kind of the breadth of PR and what it touches. Does that mean it fits alongside marketing people or is it instead of, or, you know, how does it work in an organization where they've got maybe a sales strategy, a marketing and communications person or team, and then there's an external PR? Is, is it separate from integrated? How does that work? Well, ideally it's integrated mm, yeah. <laughs> from the top down as well. So very much um, senior management buy-in to the PR strategy. And that, that sh can, if there is an in-house marketing comms person or marketing director or manager, we're often brought in to add extra resource for them. Mm -hmm. um, or it might be that they're already implementing internal and external marketing and they can't take on the PR as well. And so that kind of sits really well there. Um, depends on the size of the organization, really. Sometimes we work alongside internal PR teams as well. Um, and social media as well is often part of that. Um, it's so quite yeah. specific now, isn't it? Some people just have a role that's, you know, head of social media. And that, that job just didn't exist 10 years ago, or even five years ago. And, and they're just managing one channel of one element of their communications, aren't they? Really? Absolutely, so, yeah. And there's, yeah. So, I mean, the Facebook thing, I mean... There is so much to know that you don't know that you don't know about Facebook. It's yeah. just um, the most incredible uh, platform. And so those exp that expertise is often sort of outsourced with, with an agency contact potentially. But, mm. um, but yeah, I think the PR people and the communications people and the marketing people that are doing really well um, are the ones who understand, you know, the breadth of things that are available to them as, as tools, really. And they also know that working together is better than working independently and pulling in different directions, I guess. Always, always. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the organisations that thrive are the ones that the sales team are working with, the PR team are working with, the comms team are working with, social media team. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's all about communication really internally as well as externally. Well, I've got experience of being in the sales end of that and... You go into organisations sometimes, you think left hand and right hand, it'd be nice if one knew what the other was doing and, you know, we're running a campaign for this or we're not running a campaign for that or we're going to promote stuff that we haven't got in stock and all the things, you know, just schooled by errors sometimes. But um, so what are the success stories? that I don't know, I'm obviously not breaching any confidentialities of where 
you've worked in an integrated environment. You know, what's been what's been the ones that you're going, oh, yeah, that went really well. This is what we, we achieved. Is there anything you can share with the audience of success around the sort of PR agenda? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Red Bull would be an amazing example of working in an integrated way with, you know, having PR from the board level down. Mm. Um, you know, everyone knows the success of that brand. You know, Savills as a, as a real estate firm, it's, it's really high up on the agenda. So that means that the external communications are really positive as well. Mm. Um, and two, then, two very different brands there as well, aren't there? So it, it, it's not it, it's not sector specific. It's actually about how it works as an integrated. Uh, can you just take a step back again from, from Red Bull? You mentioned Red Bull have been going 20 odd years. Uh, my experience of Red Bull, I'm a, a, a massive football fan. I'm not a big sort of Formula One fan, but heavily involved in sort of sports sponsorship and promotion and that kind of thing. Um, they've come from really nowhere, haven't they, to being, I would say, a world-leading brand, recognised around the globe and, and things. Was that down to a combination of PR, marketing, social media, the whole aspect of that then? Yeah, I mean, it's down to a thousand, you know, probably a million different things going on at the same time, I would say. Um, you know, the founder is an absolute classic entrepreneur. And, um, and and also just talking about forward thinking and them getting involved with sports. I mean, they were talking about content and content strategy and media about 20 years ago when I was still there. So it's like, it's incredible how forward thinking the business was then. Mm. And then you can obviously see the um, the benefit of that. Okay. As a PR consultant, you are strategic. You've mentioned that. And I think that's where the value add is, isn't it? You understand business. I think you understand sort of helicopter of what you're trying to achieve, goal setting, all that kind of stuff. Um, do you have to be an expert in everything from content creation, uh, blog writing, copywriting, networking, all that kind of stuff to be an effective PR consultant? Then do you have to have all those strings to your bow? You have to have all the things, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it helps. It really does help. So those are some of the core skills probably that you would need as a PR. Um, I think, you know, the understanding of the media is the most important piece of the puzzle. Um, and then really acting as that bridge and that conduit between what the client thinks is news and what you actually think might make news with the mm -hmm. media. Because, some, you know, it's our job to ring up the media or to contact the media and try and sell our clients stories. Um and, you know, what makes it important for a client isn't necessarily going to make it important for the Times or the Telegraph or yeah. Sa the BBC. Sally, Sally's the new office manager. Nice for Sally. Good day for Sally. Good day for the business. But not really going to make the local news on broadcast media, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, unless Sally has some crazy, amazing hobby that she also does. You know, <laughs> there's some. There's always ways of um, of extracting stories, I think, from, from all clients. So mm. people news is always brilliant because... Mm. Um, People like reading about people more than products and services. So if there is like a new starter or a new appointment or a new contract that's going on, um, photography always really helps with the press as well. Yeah. And then having people that are media trained and ready to act as spokespeople in front of the camera or on podcasts, that sort of thing, that that also works really well. So there's always a story within, within a client's organisation. And I always say, often we'll go and sit with the clients um, in their offices just for half a day and it, the, I always say the best place to get the the best stories is like in the coffee room, is, is in the kitchen, you know, because people are telling you a bit of gossip about what's going on and what they're mm. working on. And it's those things that they don't necessarily think of as PR stories are the ones that make the best stories. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. It is interesting though, isn't it, like you say, that people let the guard down in a relaxed environment. But if you ask them, 
you know, tell me what's interesting about you. Most people go, oh, nothing. And, you know, most people are quite reticent about kind of self-promotion, aren't they? Is it, <laughs> is it like pulling teeth sometimes, trying to get that human interest angle from them? I think, in, in like you say, in, in a board level meeting room, sometimes people don't think that their particular part of the the organisation is the most interesting. So mm. it might be that the sales team are better at talking about it. Or well, they always would be. <laughs> they always would be, to be fair. <laughs> sure, yeah. um, but something, like I say, sometimes the more junior members of staff might be dealing with more customers and so they're seeing trends more. So mm. sometimes they're the best people to get good stories from. Um, yeah, I mean, some, there's always people that shout louder, but the best client is someone that is really scared of the media initially and then starts to see some success with press coverage and um starts to see more sales and leads coming in and then mm. thinks well actually i want more of this you know so then they start sending you stories proactively yeah and that's the best um client you know agency relationship that you can think of i guess that takes time to harness doesn't it and and educate and also trust really for people to trust that well this media stuff oh actually it does work and it's working for me on that basis so What's the typical length of time, would you think? I know it's probably going to say how long is a piece of string, but what's the length of time before you see people who might be a little bit nervous or reticent start to be a bit more confident in their proactivity around PR then? It can be. I mean, obviously it's an education process. So you're kind of trying to minimise the doubt and the risk that they feel like they're going to take. But equally, it can be, you know, anything from getting a nice quote from a more junior member of staff or, or from a more senior member of staff. It doesn't really matter. Mm. Um and that can take, you know, and then they might get coverage over two day, in two days' time. And then they might get sales calls in three days' time or in two days. And then all of a sudden, you've the, the light's gone on and they're ready. You know, yeah. they're ready to give you more content and more ideas. So They've sort of made that connection yeah. because there's a direct correlation between what they've done and what the action into the business is, like say phone calls, email inquiries, hits on the website, whatever it might be, is the end game. Absolutely, yeah. yeah and yeah. it makes a big impact on their and their particular job role as well so you mentioned earlier about sort of being ready and available for for media um i've worked with a couple of companies who the ceo for example might be seen as a spokesperson for a sector or an industry so when there's a newsworthy item so let's take what's current at the moment coronavirus there might be a, um somebody who is um i don't know a, a high up ranking member of the nhs always the go-to person. There used to be a guy who worked at Bradford University School of Management who was an economics expert. So whenever there's an economic story in the, the, the north of England, he was the go-to guy for comments and things. Is that part and parcel of, of your sort of role as a PR, creating that landing point? Is that how it that is, yeah. And, and absolutely, that would be the ideal place to be. If you're trying to position yourself as a market-leading expert, mm. then you want to be the port of call for journalists who are going to write about that story so often we'll do things like spokesperson available mm. um, notes out to media just to let people know that we might be looking after someone that's an expert in health or an expert in property or you know and especially when there's a media hot topic like something at the moment mm. like coronavirus um ideally it wouldn't be something like that <laughs> no no but i mean something more but so so a journalist flipping it around then a journalist a member of the media has got a story to write do you just make it easier for them then, do you, by saying, if you're looking for a comment, he's the economics expert for wherever it might be. Uh, Bradford University School of Management, he's going to comment on the economic environment in the north of England, get in touch with them. That makes their job easier, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And it's literally, you know, journalists have so much to do in a day. It's, um, it's, really hard. it's a really hard job. Mm. And they're on deadline as well. 
in addition to that. So if if you can let them know that there is a spokesperson who's got media training or who's commented on something before in the in the same publication or on the same broadcast channel, mm-hmm. or they have radio expertise or you know radio um, training as well, then that's going to help them put their the, them and the producers put together. Um, an informative program for their listeners and viewers and, and readers. Quicker and easier as well, isn't it? So you, you're just making life easier for the journalists, but you, you're doing a great job for your clients as well, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's if they get picked up. And, and <laughs> Yeah. But I, I, guess, I guess, you know, a lot of people have got expertise in fields or worthy of comment or thought leaders is the new phrase, isn't it, in terms of a particular subject matter. So quite an interesting approach to that really you know making them available you called it press notes or something earlier, yeah absolutely so we'll i'd send something out saying um spokesperson available so the fact that there is a spokesperson from a business or from an organization mm. and they are available is the is the key word really because sometimes a journalist will be on deadline and they'll get in touch with that person and mm. they might not be available and that's right. kind of you know the worst thing that you could ever do is get that opportunity make that opportunity and then it doesn't follow through because that person's gone into a meeting yeah, yeah so sometimes it can be down to right are you going to be free for the next couple of hours because this journalist might call you then yeah and just putting that as a priority um because of the results that it, that that exposure can get you well deadlines have changed as well deadlines are much more instant particularly with social media and 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 um 24 7 broadcast news aren't they you know it used to be well we've got a four hour window before news at 10 comes on we've got four hours now it's this needs to be on the six o'clock news because it's going to be on the seven o'clock news and the eight o'clock news all in the same time on the same channel, isn't it really? So that made your job harder. Um, it hasn't made it harder. I mean, it's just the same for everyone. I think, you know, pretty much mostly always available. Mm. Um, and, and especially if there's a, a story going out to media, then I would just always be checking my phone. I'd just want to know, you know, what was happening, what opportunities were coming in for clients mm. um, and just make sure that the clients were available around that time as well. Okay. Any particular sectors or business types better suited to PR than others? I'm thinking products or services or manufacturing and distribution, import, export. Are there some that just have got a better story or a better opportunity to, to, to maximise their PR performance? I think um, whether you're a product or a service business, there's always room for some exposure for your business. So mm. you've always got people that you would like to influence with your message. Um, and you, you kind of want to get your message out to your audiences. And so whichever audiences they might be, mm. whether they're a business audience or a consumer audience, um, there's always some room for, for PR strategy and, and, you know, getting the message out to them and promoting your business. So I don't think that I would stop it at any particular organization or industry. It's, yeah. it's, I've seen it work across many organizations and industries do you have a niche at wrapped pr then rachel or we, we, you mentioned food and drink which other, other sectors do you uh, expert experience or work in yeah absolutely so we work across mainly um property mm-hmm. so there's lots of property um clients across yorkshire and, and in london as well mm-hmm. um and then food and drink and retail are probably our main specialities okay so you've got the expertise in there you know the players you know what the news stories are you know who the journalists are and that makes it easier for you to position the expertise with your clients in that field, I guess, doesn't it? It yeah. does, yeah. And we're, we're really careful as well. I always say to clients, you know, you've got to be a bit careful of niche agencies mm. um, because there are some conflicts in there. And, and, you know, you don't want to be the smallest client on the list and then, you know, the least priority for that business. So, mm. so it's just having those conversations about who their other clients are and, and how you fit in with that when you're a business owner. Okay. Commercial question. How is PR measured in terms of impact or return investment? Um, is it anecdotal or is it specific? Can you 
can you create a measurement KPI for a business from their spend or is it is it just about making the phone ring? I don't know what your view would be on that. It's all about measurement, Nick. Yeah, okay, yeah, good. <laughs> um, so I always say, you know, and I think a big ad agency exec in the States, I think they said this in a business book somewhere, but, you know, if it can't be measured, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that a PR agency does for a client should be measured. So you set out your KPIs initially within your PR plan. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's everything from the amount of people that you can reach to the number of impressions um, something has on social media, um, to how many listeners something's had, to how many viewers a certain channel has got, um, to how many listeners a podcast has. And um, so everything can be measured and everything should be measured. Um, and then the other thing I always say is try to integrate that within your sales team and customer service teams as well. You know, always ask that question, how did you hear about us? And not everyone remembers, you know, mm. and it might be that, oh, I've seen some marketing and I read about you in the Yorkshire Post. I don't know. Yeah. But um, if you're asking those questions, then you start to get a really good picture of, of where people hear about the business. You're sort of validating, aren't you, the activity in the channels and that kind of thing. I work with lots of people who are from the marketing background and from the sales end of things and it frustrates life out of me when they don't ask, you know, where did you hear about us? It's the easiest question in the world, isn't it? But how do you validate and measure something if you don't know where the leads are coming from? How do you then position more spend in that area if that area is working for you, I guess? It's so true. Mm. So true. And um, yeah, it's one of those things that I think just get left out when everyone's trying to get their they're they're in their own world and they're doing their own thing and Mm. and it can get really left off the list so going back to the measurement there isn't a direct correlation that you can put in place between the activity which is what you're measuring aren't your activity impressions numbers volumes etc and the direct correlation into sales and money because you're not responsible for the sales process are you that that the conversion you can create leads and you can create interest but an organization is still responsible for that sales conversion would that be fair yeah i think that's fair i mean it depends on what it is so i work with um an e-commerce business at the moment for example and it is very much everything's totally measurable so every time we get um some really great press coverage for that product mm. the spike in sales is absolutely tangible on the website so you know it can be that tangible and that immediate but that's because of the type of business that is type thing if it's it, it wouldn't always work in all in, in more traditional businesses necessarily not necessarily yeah. no but i mean i guess it's it's one of those things as well as as well as knowing exactly who you've reached and how many people you've reached and you can look at google analytics and see there's a spike in sales um as well as that it's it's a case of kind of having that integration with the rest of the teams because you will just know when the phone's ringing more or mm. your clients mentioned you and, and referred you to someone else because they've heard you on a, on a podcast or on in the times or whatever it might be. So I, I love that when people go, Oh, I was talking to somebody and they sent me an inquiry because they were just thinking about us. No, they weren't. You've made them think about you on a subliminal or direct level, haven't you? Yeah. And I guess on some level, PR's got all of that going for it, hasn't it? You know, reminding people that you are where you are reminding people of your expertise and then just saying oh why don't why don't we get in touch with them either again or for the first time so in some respects it's not that measurable directly but i get the fact that you can look at spikes in performance and you've got to put the link back and let 
if they don't get it as business owners, you've got to let them get it and, and, and demonstrate that value, I guess, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't work in a silo. You know, it's a snowball effect with all the other marketing messages and all the other new business efforts that, that a company is making. Um, I think there's a stat now that I think you need about 17 different touch points for a, a brand to kind of remember that brand and recall that brand and to take an action. So we're just inundated at the moment. And I think that can't be underestimated used to be seven it used it's to be seven 17. and it's gone up because well, we're seeing so, so many, many channels, messages aren't there? so yeah. many more channels wow that's scary though isn't it seven was hard enough that was it that, that was inverted commas as my children would say back in the day seven now it's 17 and next week it'll be 27 won't it because more and more channels come to market and, and fruition but okay. it could be it could be but i think that just illustrates the point that it to have a really targeted plan and a targeted audience and a targeted strategy is is going to work better you don't need a scattergun, you need a rifle, don't you, on that basis? Okay. Last question. I always end up the podcast asking a what I call a, a golden thread question. Um, if there's a business owner listening into the podcast and they're thinking, PR might be for me, not sure yet, what piece of advice would you give a business owner potentially embarking on a PR approach or campaign? What would be the one thing you'd say to them, this is what you need to be least aware of? So many things, Nick. Um, so yeah, if I was working with, um, or if someone had recommended us or, or a friend had put us in touch as a potential um, solution to that, that client's problem, I'd, I'd sort of talk to them about managing expectations, but also just about them having a really clear idea and, and think about what their business objectives are. Mm. Because that way, whoever they meet and whoever they consult with, um, they're going to have much clearer plan and, and reasons for employing that agency or that PR person. Mm. Um, and also, it, like I said before, it might not be a PR problem. So sometimes within a business, there can be different objectives, but it, it might be that marketing might solve that objective better. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so yeah, just if, as a business owner, it's, it's about managing expectations. So don't believe a consultant that comes and promises you the earth because they just can't. Yeah. Um, and also looking at your strategic objectives and, and really tying the PR strategy into that. Excellent. Rachel, it's been, it's flown by. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, hopefully you've inspired a few people to think strategically about PR as part of their overall kind of communications mix. Been really enjoyable. Thank you for being a guest on the Impact Sessions. Your contact details will be at the end of the uh, a podcast on the uh, on YouTube channel, etc. So, um, Rachel, thank you very much. Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you.